Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. You're getting the most out of being at a game with American Express. The card member entrance, the lounge, and now tip-off. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Russ Westbrook with the left-handed finish and flush for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Seku Smith from NBA.com here on the Hangtime Podcast. My main man, Lang Whitaker. Yo. Junior chef himself in New York. What's up, dude? Uh, apparently, you know, on a wild, crazy 11-game night, you know, you could pick any marquee matchup you wanted, but the Russ-James Harden matchup in that Thunder Rockets game certainly lived up to the hype. Russ finishing it off, as uh, we heard on that audio clip. Um can he keep this up? Seriously, can he to, keep it up? Do you want to hear the replay of what it sounded like in my house when Russ did that? <laughs> <Uh-oh>. Oh! <laughs> I was sitting alone on the couch, and all of a sudden that happened, and I about fell off the couch. Man, he's ridiculous. It was unbelievable. I, hey, I told you last week, I'm, I'm I know. the Russ for MVP train. I know if, if you don't have Russell Westbrook number one on your, what's it, the MVP ladder you do? <laughs> on the Great. Now, I, as if has got some broken spokes on it or something, man. As if all the Twitter haters out there aren't enough, I get it from you. Great. Yes. Uh, that'll be out uh, on Friday on uh, NBA.com, the Kia Race to the MVP ladder. Russell Westbrook kicked off the season at the at the number one spot. I would not – I'm not telling you that I know this, but I'm just guessing he's going to hold that spot this week. I think better that's a fair have. assessment. Um, but seriously, second in the league in scoring – Second in assists, number one among guards in rebounds. I mean, his usage rate is through the roof. Obviously, he's number one. Seriously, can he keep this up? This is a 12-game sample. They're fourth in the West, 7-5 and five record. But is, is it any way possible he can keep this up for a whole season? Well, I think logic would say no, right? Mm. Like we think we, there's, we've never seen anybody play this type of play for, for a sustained period of time. Um but logic doesn't usually apply to Russell Westbrook. <laughs> right. I think Russell Westbrook would look at logic and say, why not? Um, you know, there's going to be games where I think where he, he doesn't have those kind of numbers, but um, every single night he seems to have that fire and, and he's ready to play and he's not going to ever, you know, turn down for anything. Yeah. I, I love that Jordan commercial with him, you know, yeah. where he's dancing to the, to the song and, uh, I, I feel like that's like the most perfect representation of who Russ is um, and, and the way he plays and, and it kind of encapsulates the entire Russell Westbrook experience. And uh, after that dunk, I was a little bit worried for Alex Abrin- <laughs> Abrinas. Yeah. He, he got the shoulder bump and he flew back about a foot. Uh, so, I mean, Russ is just, we got to uh, get it. We got to get out there. We got to get out there for a game in Oklahoma city to see what it's like now with him as the, 
Yeah. Is the lone name on that marquee, um, rocking and rolling. I was there in the playoffs last year and for some of those Warriors games. And, you know, that's one of the few places where the media, you still sit on the court. Yes. And uh, I sat courtside for some of those games and uh, bring earplugs. Yeah, I was out there during the regular season last year when they played Milwaukee one night. And um, every game is, you know, is that same atmosphere. It's not like they just turn it on for the playoffs. They do it all year long. So shout out to the fans in Oklahoma City. They got to be loving what they're seeing from Russell Westbrook. As are Clippers fans got to be in love with what their team's doing. 10-2 and record, best in the league. Tough loss to the Grizzlies on Wednesday night. But um, still the number one team in the league in terms of defensive rating, a top four offensive rating. Are they legit in terms of teams threatening the Warriors for supremacy in the Western Conference? You convinced after after 12 games? I'm, the only thing that worries me about them is that, and it's nothing to do with them. It's just that they are, they're always unlucky every year. Something unlucky happens to them. You're it's, talking about the curse. I don't know what you think it it's is, real? man. I mean, look, the Cubs won the World Series, so maybe, maybe curses <laughs> are made to be broken. Anything's possible. But uh, I don't know what's – I mean, I, I, if the clip, the Clippers clearly came into this season like, you know, we don't care if there's a curse or whatever. We're going to play with the, you know, gas pedal all the way to the floor the entire season. And uh, and that's – they're just remarkable the way they're playing. There was an awesome clip on Reddit today of – there was a 30-second clip of Chris Paul just kind of being peak Chris Paul mm-hmm. last night where he's fighting with guys and <laughs> slapping rebounds back out and – stripping guards from the with the ball and playing awesome defense and and chris is just playing i think the best we've seen him play which is saying a lot yeah and and the for him to play that way at a time when blake griffin is arguably playing his best basketball yeah it's pretty amazing i mean i would love to see them mount a serious challenge and not be sacked by injuries or whatever craziness you know could could be there plus i, I mean it they've got it the they got to do it now. I mean, it's not like yeah. you look at this group and say they got three, four more years as a group to chase this. this I mean, there's some urgency to the season for the Clippers, especially with Chris and, and Blake Griffin um, hitting free agency come summertime. So they've they've had those three or four years. This is this is the last of those right, years, right? right. Like Absolutely. I mean, we saw the the thing with Houston a couple of years ago yeah. in the playoffs, and then the, you know Chris getting his hand caught in a jersey last yeah, year. Like just crazy. things happen and. This this is it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I I like I like the Clippers so much that that we're even gonna let John Schumann weigh in Clippers <laughs> style this week with the Schumann stat here on the Hangtime Podcast. Shoe, what what's going on with the Clippers? You know, um, killing it this season, of course, rolling in the Western Conference. But uh, what what are they doing that other teams aren't doing? Well, I mean, I think. You could look at some of the changes they made and say they were decent. You know, adding uh, Maurice Spates, adding Raymond Felton a little bit gives them a little bit more versatility uh, on their bench. But really, it's been the starting lineup, the same starting lineup that they had for much of last year, that has been incredibly dominant. You know, even after uh, Wednesday's loss against Memphis, the starting lineup has outscored its opponents by 143 points in 245 minutes together. Um, so that's a raw plus minus of, of plus 143. And through Wednesday, no other lineup in the league is better than plus 47. So basically they've been uh, 96 points, uh, a differential of 96 points better than any other lineup in the league. Now part of that is that they've played more minutes than any other lineup in the league, but the other right. big part of it is that they have just been incredibly dominant. You know, their bench has been sort of middle of the pack when you look at sort of uh, plus minus 
per possessions. Some of that's affected by just garbage time. You know, this is a team that's led three games in the last 10 days by 40 points or more. So there's some garbage time in the uh, sort of bench numbers at this point. But the starting lineup has been incredible. And this is, you know, five guys that have come back and have just played uh, much better than they have in the past. Should we be worried that because, you know, there's a, a veteran team and a lot of older guys that they have played so many minutes this early in the season? I don't think so. I mean, if you look at it, if you look at their just individual minutes, it's not, it's not, it's not too bad. I don't think. Um, right. And like I said, there's been a lot of garbage time. So like Chris Paul and Blake Griffin haven't had to play uh, a lot of fourth quarter minutes right now. Paul is averaging 30 minutes. Griffin is averaging 32, Jordan 30, uh, Redick 26. So that's not much to, to worry about at this point. Um, yeah. Like I said, they've just been so really good. And the one thing is that, you know, Doc, Rivers had spoken a little bit about maybe staggering Paul and Griffin's yeah. minutes, but they haven't really done that. So part of the reason that they play so many minutes together is because he doesn't really stagger their minutes. Those guys come off the floor together. Um, they come back on together. Not exactly, but like, you know, Paul right. will come off and then Griffin will come off a minute later and, and, and they don't, he doesn't stagger their minutes. Like say uh, Portland does with Lillard and McCollum, where one of them is always on the floor. Uh, the right. Clippers don't do that. And so they play just a ton of minutes together because, you know, he, he goes with a five-man bench unit at times. And, and so the, the starting lineup just plays more together than, than you would see with other teams. I almost stumped him. I yeah. almost got him. You almost got him, but I don't care what you say, shoot with your fancy stats. I think the real key is uh, Chris Paul can actually see now. He's shooting nearly 46% <laughs> from three after he got those eyeballs fixed, baby. I'm telling you, it's magic. I got mine fixed. Was, it works. He was a great shooter as it was. Like, <laughs> I mean, still, like, I mean, he, he, you don't think of him as, as a great shooter like Stephen Curry because Curry just shoots threes. But yeah. Paul, you know, is more of a mid-range shooter, but still one of the best off-the-dribble off the shooters in the league and has been for the last few years. So to think that, you know, he could be better with better vision is pretty scary for opposing defenses that don't, you know, trying to figure out how to guard him on pick-and-rolls and whether to play him to shoot or play him to pass. Yeah. I, no. I agree with Chris Paul. I'm not letting lasers anywhere near my eyes. <laughs> hey, no, it thanks. works. I'm telling you, it works, dude. You know how blind I was before I got my eyes fixed? You still wear glasses now. <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't mean that doesn't mean. What are you talking about? Before I didn't have them and I couldn't see anything. It's pay. It's magic, baby. So, magic. So you talk, the magic's the glasses you got on. <laughs> no, shoot, one more. You wear glasses. Number. Shoot, tell him. What I I don't have as bad vision as you do. <laughs> I only wear them to drive, watch games, and that's it. I don't depend on those things like Lots I know hate. you do. A lot of hate going on in the shooting stat this uh, week. I'll give you one more Clippers stat before we go. All right. You know, we've talked about, you know, whether the Warriors can top, you know, the 73 wins that they won last year. Well, the Clippers right now through 12 games, they're 10-2. and two. Even after last night's loss, they have the point differential of a team that would win 75 out of its 82 oh, games. Oh, stop it. <laughs> Get out of here. You know, they've, they've lost a you couple just made of that up. No, I mean, they, they, they've just been killing people, you know. And oh, they, cut it As out. a stats guy, I'll tell you, point differential means a lot. You know, you can't just look at a team's record. you got to look at, you know, point differential to see where they go. Uh, oh. So, you know, we'll see how – how things go if their strength of schedule increases a little bit, but right now they've been incredibly good. I'm gonna see where this goes when I put it out there that John Schumer said the Clippers are winning 75 games this year. I already <laughs> to tweeted wait. it out. You can see it. <laughs> appreciate it. that baby. Thanks, right. John. Thanks, John. See you next week, man. Always appreciate John Schumer giving us his insights, and uh, since it's the season of giving, 
what better present could we get ahead of Christmas and even Thanksgiving than a visit from an old friend of the program, one of our brothers, Rick Fox, joining us on the Hangtime Podcast. Don't make me throw out some turkey calls. You know? <laughs> It's not officially Thanksgiving yet. Next week, I'll, yeah, I'll you, you gotta you gotta hit week. us with the turkey call. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I did text Rick to request a turkey call. <laughs> yeah. Thanksgiving. I am I am officially um, though moving into uh, an, an era of gratitude uh, as we head into the uh, holiday season already. Though I would say, really, it's been a it, yeah, it's been a surprising start uh, uh, out here in Lakerland. So I'm right. pretty uh, I'm pretty grateful that. The, the move from Luke Walton down here to return home and start to, uh, re- yeah, I don't know. Is it too early to say return the Lakers to s- some early yeah, respectability? Yeah, we're not. Don't, oh, go, don't go with the stern echoes and all that stuff yet. Let's, let's slow down on that. We're not there yet. Okay, but they, well, what do you have to see to, to get us there? It's, it's, pro- it's a promising start. Uh, I will say that. Promising start. Yes. Okay. But, okay. But we haven't even gotten to Christmas Day games yet, bro. So. Pump, All right, pump the brazakes. Yeah, how about if if they're over five hundred on Thanksgiving? Look, I, I I think that would be that that would be enough for me to say uh, <laughs> that they they at least have an identity and they know who they are. And barring any unforeseen health issues, that they're going to compete night in and night out. And a, and a forty-one forty-one uh, record is probably uh, a reasonable. Uh, Mason Dixon line or whatever you call it, what do they, what do they call it, a line of demarcation. Yeah, all sure. the terms you use to say, hey, you know, pick a side. I, I would probably still pick uh, under forty-one slightly, mm-hmm. but I think I think they're playing they're playing the way you're supposed to play the game. So now they just have to create some consistency within themselves because they are doing it by committee, and we know that's not that's not a recipe for for a uh, Michelin star in the NBA. <laughs> it's a good sign. I mean, good early signs on I We talked about it last week, obviously, with Kevin Dingle here on the Anytime Podcast. But a lot, I, you, I think you got to give a lot of credit to Luke Walton um, just for the, the change in tone. We were there at training camp last year, and it was kind of that fog over everything. You knew Kobe yeah. was his last season, and Byron was, you know, up to his – collar and all of that you know kind of got to <laughs> teach these young boys how to you know it, it just it oh, was yeah. a lot of overbearing feeling to their training camp i thought last year yeah and, and it was i think it's the it's the pat riley days right and right. that's where byron came from yeah and so you you whip them into shape by you know difficult training camps and you, you break their will and you make them succumb to the team as the most important uh but that's you know that's 80s and 90s that's the era i was in it was you know, pretty much the era I only knew and subscribed to. Right. But then Phil Jackson came in. Phil Jackson was zenned out, you know. Yeah. We worked hard, but yeah. it was a different approach, and that's what Luke Walton came from. You know, yeah. he got that that background and backdrop in his NBA career, and that's what he's bringing, I think, a combination of that and what he got from Steve Kerr, which was not only under Phil Jackson but also Popovich. You know, they have a different way of doing things. Speaking of uh, Phil Jackson and bygone eras, Lang, his posse comment got him in a little trouble. Uh, with LeBron James <laughs> yeah. and his and his team, um, don't call it a posse. <laughs> I'm not calling it a no sir. First you couldn't call it. First you couldn't call it a comeback. <laughs> yeah. but now you can't call it a posse. Yeah, definitely not calling it a posse. Uh, yeah. What what was your take on on Phil's comments and and more so on his than just his comments, the reaction of uh, so many people to to the word posse? Well, let's look at the last 
year and or 18 months in in this country right in general yeah. there's a high level of sensitivity to you know race in general right and the way race was used uh and stirred up to to engender a successful campaign so uh you know, everything has lived under the surface for years uh in general when it comes to uh, racism or or race and and people's opinions of 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 race it's just what stirs it up, right? And everything. I think the, the surface is a little thinner. We're on uh, on thin ice right now, and, and to not know that, I think, may be uh, insensitive and blind. Right. Uh, which I definitely, I think that that judgment and criticism of PJ around the comment and not really truly understanding the sensitivity of what that might set off in terms of feelings and uh, at this this stage. I think he's been buried in his own concerns with his Knicks, but this is, you know, Phil's not a young, he's not a young man. And I say that because when I grew up in the league in the 80s, in the late 80s and 90s, you know, you ran away from everything I did was not to be perceived as having a posse, right? Uh, because that had a negative connotation. So when you hear LeBron point and his team point to the use of that word uh, as a negative label, uh, and, and he doesn't subscribe to that label being placed or used on him or, or the people he has supported and is, that have supported him to this successful climb in his career. Uh, I would say, you know, what I was challenged to to create in my my youth in the NBA was a group of people or people in my life that would support me in a positive way uh, and mm-hmm. not have uh, negative uh, individuals influence me or drag me. Down, so the word posse has been attached to negativity. Yeah. When I watch a movie like Magnificent Seven with Denzel Washington <laughs> and Chris Pratt and 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 their posse of guys that come to save the town, you know, I don't say I don't think all posses are negative. Right. But the connotation of the word is so. Phil missed uh, missed the mark, I think, in a grand fashion. Uh, he's a highly intelligent individual. Doesn't usually slip or use words without intent. So it's hard to to judge him as careless, right. uh, but it definitely was carelessly um, placed. LeBron's group of uh, uh, his team and his group of friends, yeah, they do go back to him in high school, and they do. He has surrounded himself with individuals that have not only been loyal, but have been have done have done not only themselves individually a service, but they've done him a great service because mm-hmm. I know some of these guys, you know, yeah. Maverick and and uh, and Rich. Uh, the, the growth with the, which they've had can be actually equaled to the success in, in, in a lot of areas that LeBron has had on the court because in business out here in Hollywood, what Maverick has done and what they're doing is impressive beyond. I mean, it's on par with other great producers out here in Hollywood. So mm-hmm. I, I think I think it, it it definitely it definitely stings to be labeled uh, with any any label, but you know. I think it's a mischaracterization of what LeBron and his crew have done and succeeded in doing and what they're about. So Phil missed there. He missed, uh, and I don't, you know, he's been a master of, of placing words with intent to, to return a reaction or a response when he's coached teams. He's a general manager now, and I think he's, he's, uh, he has to be struggling still with the disappointment of, of the teams that have represented his Nick teams. Uh, but also, I, I know he measures himself opposite the Rileys and the Popoviches, yeah. both not only as as the coach they've been in competition over the years for for many years, but also now as as 
orchestrators of organizations, as president and general managers, that build teams. And he's, you know, he's, he's in third place. He, when it comes to those three, he's been in third place right now. Yeah. Hey, Rick. Rick, we haven't. I haven't asked you this um, privately, yeah. but uh, speaking of former Lakers, have you watched the Atlanta Hawks this season? <laughs> yeah, I have. I have, and I, I, I have to say, I'm rather impressed. Uh, with a uh, with a young uh, well, I know cut I'm out. young. It, it but cut out with, a little uh, bit there. The what, young, what did you say? I said <laughs> I, I, I. I'll repeat it again. I said I have yeah. watched uh, the Atlanta Hawks and I have watched a former Laker uh, who no longer, I guess I would say, a young Laker. But I, I have watched Dwight Howard really, uh, really. And so it's been eleven games. I think it's a nine and two right now, or nine and one, nine and two. Nine yeah, and two. Nine yeah. nine the best record in the nine Eastern Conference. Two. Best record in the Eastern Conference, and Dwight has a lot to do with that. And so, you like, you know, I always say, man, you got to pay, you got to give credit where credit is due. And and I think if he had not come on the Hang Time podcast with <laughs> Lang and, and Seku at the start of the season, we would not be seeing this. <laughs> I appreciate that. Number eight in your programs, number one in your heart, Dwight Howard. Um, so listen, it's early. You know, we mentioned how soon it is to to go with these grandiose predictions of what these teams will do. But what's the mood, do you think, amongst guys in your circle when they look at the Warriors, the Clippers, the Spurs? How do they see the West? I mean, I I have this feeling that most people think the Warriors eventually will separate themselves from the pack, even as well as the Clippers have started. Do you get a feeling talking to other, other guys, you know, that have played, that they think this Warriors team just needs time before they make that move? Mm, no, really, I don't think. Uh, yeah, I don't, not the guys I talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, I have only like one or two friends, and that's a few two guys. And I haven't a few two guys, and I haven't spoken to you guys in like guys in weeks. I don't personally think the Warriors uh, are just going to find their way mm-hmm. and smooth things out and be as dominant as everyone expected them to be. Uh, they'll have they'll have great great stretches of great basketball, but I'm looking at the playoffs, and as our roster is set now, if it was to stay that way, mm-hmm. uh, it, has, it has flaws. It has great flaws. And um, I say great. That I'm losing that loosely. It has flaws. Right. Um, and, and, and what I'm most impressed with, which is the Clipper organization right now, they didn't just get off to a quick start. They're, they know who they are. Uh, they're clear in what they do. Um, Chris Paul has had a great start to, to his season, um, but Blake Griffin, his return to the dominance that he's capable of uh, generating in a game, coupled with the depth that they have, I mean, they they are for real. They're for real. The Clippers uh, are for real. The San Antonio Spurs are going to be solid. I, I think they have the greatest potential out of those three you listed mm-hmm. to rise to a level that is greater than where they are here now. I think I think the Clippers are who they are, and they're going to be that consistently. And they just have to stay healthy. Yeah. Um, the Golden State Warriors have to make a move. I don't know what that move looks like. They got to make a move if they're looking to be champions this year. Mm-hmm. I think they can be champions uh, in the future for sure. I, I I don't know if I subscribe to all the talk of Clay Thompson needing to be traded, but he is probably the one piece uh, because they're not big enough to move Draymond. Uh, they can't lose Draymond. Mm-hmm. You're not going to lose Steph and Kevin Durant. So that leaves, you know, that's the the other big four, right? Um, could Clay return some, you know, three pieces? Yeah, probably. You know, if those right three pieces are there, then you do get the front court. You get the front court help you need. You get the defensive balance and return that you have to get back and return from losing a Clay, uh, and you get deeper. 
I just don't see the depth on that bench that I like enough when I think of Mo Spades, Festus Azili, Leandro Barbosa, Sean Livingston, who's still there, mind yeah. you. Uh, you know, I don't see the experience that played with that core for three right. years or two years leading up to that championship where they developed that that um, understanding amongst themselves of who they were and how they were going to move in pressured environments, moments of stress in, in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, they have to redevelop that, and you can't develop that until you get in the playoffs, and that, I think, will be too late for them. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, Lang, I, I know that I've been curious, you know, about the growth of young players. Rick, you, you, I know you talked last year glowingly about what we thought Chris Stapps Porzingis could do um, just as an individual and what kind yeah. of player he could be. He put on a show, of course, <laughs> you know, Wednesday night, and the unicorn talk always yeah. bounces back in my head. He's he's 7'3", and, he, you know, he's, he's – I mean, he's taller than – or as tall or taller than Shaq was, you know, but moves – like a guy half his size in terms of getting up and down the floor. Yeah. Is there is there a le- legitimate ceiling for what he could become in the league, or or is it really that eternal cliche, you know, like the sky's the limit in terms of what he could be? Yeah, I don't know so much if it's, if it's what he can become as it is what he's becoming in front of us. Yeah. And, you know, the first two weeks of the season, so much of it was still – it's about, you know, Carmelo and, and Rose and, and Noah. Let's see what these three former all-stars or current all-stars in some cases can be together, right? It was like, let's look at the, let's look at the brands, right? The big brands and, and, and let's, let's have them drive this expression of Nick basketball in 2016-17 and let that lead the way. But very, you know, very quickly, it, it, to me, it's appearing like that's not the way to success for this team. Yeah. And and I don't. You know, I thought we'd be saying that when it comes to the the, the the unicorn and the zinger leading, you know, being the anchor and the and the focal point, maybe a year or two out. But right. but uh, you know, if they if they have any chance of, I think really really being a six or seven seed in the East, they may have to shift this focus. And it, and it's not a disrespectful comment to 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 Carmelo or Derek. You know, it, it's about going with what's working and you have to kind of humble yourself to that fact and, and, and play and and play because throughout the course of an 82 game season, you have stretches where, you know, individuals in a roster really shine and they shine because they they just hit pockets of, of, of being hot or, or, you know, they just are younger and they, they have more stamina, all the different things you see in a season. And I I just think for the Knicks to succeed, uh, you know, do I dare say, you know, Carmelo needs to be, the second option, and, and Derek the third. Hmm. Well, first of all, the Unicorn yeah, and the Zinger is one of my one of my favorite esports teams. Um, <laughs> the one thing about Porzingis is is that I mean, Rick, there's stretches where he looks like clearly like the the, the first player on on your team, the you know the headliner superstar. But I, I just don't know if he has the size to maintain that throughout the year, sustain it throughout right. the year. I yeah. mean, he he's, he still looks like he weighs 130 pounds. Um, he's thirty. He's by well one forty. I mean, look, he, like, look, Conor McGregor might still be able to take him, but but at the end of the day, you know, look, man, you can't teach seven three. You can't teach those skills. I mean, you can teach them, but you know, it takes the it takes repetition, and and he's obviously put in the work to get to a place where those skills are actually showing up as 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 real and not not fleeting from time to time in in, in the league. One thing that like the last couple of Knicks games I've been to pregame. He's out there on the court, 
the entire pregame and, and putting a lot of time in on post moves, I've noticed. Um, so I think that's something they're definitely kind of looking at as a way to, you know, sort of expand his game because he gets a lot of open jump shots and trailing plays coming down the court. But I think once you add in that spectrum, I mean, who, I mean, who can he not post up? Because he's taller than every player in the league pretty yeah. much. So. Um, once you get that in there too, man, he's going to be, uh, he's going to be a real unicorn. Well, then he can be, he can be the guy, he can be the, the post on that triangle strong side and, and the ball goes into him and you start with him touching that basketball and watch him make the right decisions. I mean, Carmelo on the weak side of the triangle. I mean, I know there's still a lot of talk about, you know, are they running it? Is it Phil doesn't seem to yeah. feel like they're running it the way he wants it run. And, you know, and, and look, I mean, there's a reason why the triangle was taught by Phil and Tex Winters, and they had success because it's you have to teach it. And if you don't know it the way they know it, it's, you know you're going to have, especially if he's sitting on the sidelines judging whether it's working <laughs> the way it should work. His, his frame of of what works looks like the Bulls teams and the Laker teams, but he coached those teams, so you know it's it's, it's not going to be it's not going to look like that. At the end of the at the end of the day, Rick does this. I mean, now we started out talking about him. Doesn't this all come down to Phil though, and the decisions he makes? As as the architect of what they got going on there, he may have to be the one that that makes that decision about the focus shifting from Melo to Porzingis. Whether he's read, whether Porzingis is ready or not, at some point, right. I, I feel like the decision is going to have to be Phil's because what player is ever going to step aside to let somebody else shine like that? I, I just think it's a it's a hard well, thing to it. me I, to imagine. I actually did it. I did it for Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> Kobe appreciates it. He was able to scale greater heights I thanks to you. I don't know how you forgot that. Oh, my bad, my bad. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, Jeez so, you know, it's, it's not an easy thing. No, it isn't an easy thing for superstars in our game to 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 say goodbye to that, you know, to that number one yeah. franchise tag. You know, that slot of first option. And it's not that Melo isn't still a first option. We you know we know what he is. He's he's an older player in our league, but still very very competent scorer. Uh, it's 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 strategy. It's all strategy. And then yeah. how are you how are you attacking to be successful? And look, I mean, Kobe went through twenty years of of his career still as the number one option. But I mean, should he have been for twenty years? Probably not. You know. Right. And yet, you know, we saw the last few years in L.A. and how difficult it was to use him as a number one option through his injuries, through his age, uh, and yet the Lakers chose to still honor his service to the organization for that many years and ride it out, you know? Yeah, that's a good so point. I don't know if the Knicks and Phil Jackson can afford to do that as Melo continues to age. Uh, I just know New York is not as patient as a lot of cities <laughs> in the NBA. And right now, Melo, if anything, I think has grown in the admiration that he has created uh, with fans towards him. And, and, and that's without really delivering New York a championship or anything, but just the way he's conducted himself off the, off the court. Has, has been admirable, so it gives him some some leeway, you know. But at the end of the day, they got you know Knicks are trying to get back to a place they haven't been to since yeah. the Pat Riley days, you know. Yeah, no, that's yeah, you're right. You're right about that. I like that. to say Jeff Van Gundy. That's not fair. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, Jeff did a good job too. Rick Fox joining us on the Hangtime Podcast this week. Special special treat for everybody that uh, has listened to. Uh, past podcasts they know how we roll uh, you know what i was thinking the other day and th- these pictures keep popping up on those reminders on facebook mm. you know of whatever adventure we were doing the last couple of years on the road trip 
all those pictures popped up. We gotta get yeah. a, we gotta get a road trip in. Maybe Lang and I just come out for a long weekend, chase you know chase around town, and we get, we'll be your entourage. Forget the posse. Hey man, look, we'll, I, we'll just be the entourage. I, we can do it. Hey, there's a ton of uh, <laughs> a ton of exciting things we can do, man. There's a lot of stuff we can still do uh, if we hit the road, and um, I'm for it, man. Like I'm I'm not again. We don't need a big. We don't, I mean, look, I, we got an RV out here. I don't. We don't. We don't need their RV. <laughs> RVs, you know, no one has a no one has a. Um, Monopoly on RVs. Uh, if you guys want to hit a few games and over a course of the day, we we can do it and shoot some cops. Dude, I own a production company. I got cameras. We, can shoot <laughs> we need to get you know on it. Saying? We need to get on it. Hey, Rick. Rick, one question. How's Echo Fox doing? Um, we're doing great. We're actually in meetings right now because we're in free agency and we're getting ready to go purchase uh, that coin uh, on the table. We're going to go. Pre- we're going to go. We got to go purchase some some top rate players. I'm trying to go get me a. A Dwight Howard. I'm trying to go get me a, a young, a young unicorn. You know, I need some, I need some, I need some game changing veterans that can that can leave one team, come to mind, and actually put me on the map again. Nice. Yeah, how much praise? I'm so much praise I'm giving Dwight. Nice. Yeah, I'm telling you, I, I can talk about Dwight glowingly when when I see what you know what I've been seeing the last month. I'm really happy for him. Happy for Grand Hill too. Yeah. And 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 Tony Wrestling and the guys because I'm. I some friends out here that are part owners in that, and uh, or owners in that or that franchise now. So I want I want them to do well, and and then you know I need me a, I need me one or two rookie studs, man. Some guys that came out of nowhere that I can I can uh, change my 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 franchise's uh, future in 2017. No doubt, no doubt. Rick Fox, the Renaissance man himself, rolling with his boys here on the Hangtime Podcast. Listen, man, we appreciate it. Uh, happy Turkey Day. Tell Sasha we said yeah, hello no, let's, let's, and uh, let's talk next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sasha will be with me. We're going. Uh, we're going down to going down to Miami. Nice. Uh, do nice. a little, do a little Thanksgiving in in Miami. Uh, nice. So we'll talk. Let's talk again next Wednesday or Thursday. No doubt, man. Appreciate so you. Rick. Thursday, Thursday, Turkey Day. So probably Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. No doubt. We appreciate it, man. Later, Ryan. Right, Thanks. Guys. Talk to you. Bye, man. Love you guys. Bye. You too. That's the guy right there. You know we. Can, We've had so many stupid conversations over the past few years, but, you know, you forget how spot on his analysis is sometimes just on the game and, you know, the kind of dynamics of how these things work. And nobody has a better insight on Phil Jackson and and where he's coming from, you know, as Rick mentioned, Lang, as an older guy now. Right. Not necessarily in touch with with the streets, as they say, when it comes to how he views guys like LeBron. And Maverick Carter and Rich Paul and his crew. So um, interesting stuff, as always. Having Rick back around on the Hangtime Podcast, Lang, reminds me of uh, a little something we do around here all the time called Bragging Rights. And for once this season, the champ is here. It's time for Bragging Rights as the guys put their rep on the line. I don't want to brag, Lang, but, but I might as well. Um, one of us accurate. is undefeated after the first week of bragging. The right. most accurate part of that was when you said for once <laughs> at the beginning, because that's a change. <laughs> I, listen, I like perfection. You know, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not opposed to perfection. And uh, my three and zero record last week, I know spoils your Turkey day. Um, but so what? I had the Clippers over the Thunder, Cavs over the Hornets and the Warriors over the Raptors, which, all you know, all interesting, good games. Of course, what do we got this week, John? I, I, listen, I'd hate to mess up what is so right, but let's go ahead and try this again for this week. We're going all Saturday, so these are all games on Saturday. The first one's a five o'clock, five o'clock Eastern 
sort of matinee in Houston, Jazz Rockets. Rockets. Yeah, I think that's that's a tough the one, game. The one thing in, that, in the league against the right, I was gonna say that's like a opposite one, styles. One thing in that Schumann stat, you know, he pointed out that the the Clippers had such a you know plus whatever it's plus one fifty whatever it was, and the second yeah. The, yeah the second closest team was ninety six points behind him, but he didn't say it. The second closest lineup was the Rockets. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I'm gonna rock with the Rockets as well. I think uh, you know what they're doing under the, Mike D'Antoni is exactly what we expected. You know, scoring at a high clip and Utah, playing no defense. Yeah, playing no defense. <laughs> and you and Utah is is for as as improved as I think they are. That's that's going to be a tough game to go down there and and try and combat that pace. Um, so I'm going with the Rockets too. All right, second one, NBA TV, eight o'clock Eastern, Timberwolves Grizzlies. Mm. You know what? I like what I saw to the Grizzlies and that went over the Clippers. By the way, I, I think David Fisdale is doing a good job um, with that team. I think um, it was a little weird to see Marcus all shooting all those threes until no, he made was the a little game weird. Was him doing the Conor McGregor on his way off the floor after that after that game game winning three? That was, I thought it was. I wasn't really into the strategy until he knocked in the game winner. At yeah. The end. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I like the Grizzlies. I like the Grizzlies in that one. I'll go with Minnesota. I'm, I'll ride with the, the the hot streak right now with Andrew Wiggins the way he's playing. Um, I'll, I'll go with them. All right. Final one. 10.30 Eastern, more NBA TV action. It better not be Golden State Milwaukee. Go ahead. I had that on the list because <laughs> it's clearly Milwaukee. Uh, we're going Bulls at Clippers. Ooh. Bulls on their West Coast trip. Yeah. Picked against the Clippers last week, and they proved me wrong, so I'll, I'll take the Clippers. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Clippers, but I do like – I like this Bulls team better than I, I think – I thought I would at this point in the season. I think a lot of people were worried about them not fitting, those pieces not working together. But I like – Jimmy Butler's playing the way I'd expected him to, and I and I like what they got going on. Fred Hoiberg getting some of those haters off his back, but I'm going with the Clippers. Okay. All right. Lang, I, I hope you don't spoil all your fancy Thanksgiving uh, fixings by getting smoked <laughs> and bragging rights again next week, but, you know, so what? Things have to happen. You, I have to tell you, we, we actually had Thanksgiving on Monday. What? <laughs> we had a photo shoot for GQ home uh-huh. cooking. And so we had to do it in advance. So we cook, I cook, we cooked a full Thanksgiving meal on Monday. I've been eating turkey and dressing. <laughs> so on, on actual Thanksgiving day, we might end up having like some burgers or something. I don't know. Like, I don't feel like doing it again. So. Crank up the grill, baby. Crank the grill up. Put some put some ribs on there. I, I've been trying to convince the wife to to let us do something non traditional. I'm like, let's let's do something crazy for Thanksgiving. She's like, no, nah, that's not gonna happen. Turkey dressing. How about turkey ribs? Turkey dressing. Turkey dressing. That's the only time we, we did. It's the only time all year we eat dressing. Well, yeah, no, I made a. We never a, eat it other than Thanksgiving. I made a bucket load of it the other day. <laughs> I've, I've still got a whole nice. pan of it untouched in the fridge. We, uh, we, what we did was we. Um, I know you, you're a fan of the turducken. Yes. We. Uh, so I had a couple of butchers come over here from. <laughs> there's a new butcher shop in my neighborhood, and mm. uh, two women who ran it came over here, and we deboned an entire turkey. Sweet. And we made a turketta. Yeah. Of, oh, I yeah. saw that. Yeah. That's you what it what? is. So. How was it? It was incredible. Was it? So good. I still like turducken, but I, I, I want a turducken so bad this year. I want the one with the, it's like, it's... egg and everything. Like, you can get one now with breakfast in it. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, if you, I guess if you feed the – what's in the middle, a duck? I guess if you feed the duck a, a <laughs> egg beforehand. Yeah, well, I, that's been my uh, Thanksgiving slogan to the wife. Uh, make Thanksgiving and love handles great again by throwing <laughs> a 50-pound turducken in the oven. Let's get it. <laughs> 
I got it. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm. I think I'm going to be going for like maybe just some roast chicken or <laughs> something simple this year. Something nice and simple. Hey, you, you better get over it quick. We got to hit the road next next weekend after Thanksgiving. So, pack your uh, ski boots and and your biggest coat. It might be snowing where we're going. I saw that. I'm gonna. <laughs> I've already decided. I'm gonna. Pull some uh, shenanigans if we get out on the golf course, then. <laughs> All right. Well, we appreciate John Schumann, as always, with the Schumann stat. And our special guest this week on the Hang Time Podcast, Rick Fox, getting back with his boys and chopping it up a little bit here. We will see you right here next week for the Thanksgiving wait, edition. Wait, 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 wait. you got to get people to sign up on Dude, iTunes. you got to stop. You know I'm going to always try and do it after I get cranked up. and then I don't know, but I'm, I'm afraid <laughs> you're not going to. We haven't been doing it for five years. we got to start somewhere. <laughs> Of course, you got to subscribe on iTunes. Leave a glowing message for everybody else. A beautiful review. Make it a huge review. Huge. Um, and every week, you get a new episode of the Hang Time Podcast right here from NBA.com. Later. Thanks for listening to the Hang Time Podcast. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes for a new episode every single Thursday this season. And as always, people, remember, say kuna matata. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply.